0: After a long hiatus, StatChat is back. I am the host, Dave Klatsky, of Colgate Men's Basketball, and I'm thrilled to be back on the wires with y'all. Today's guest is Sean Lawless. Sean is co-founder of a company called Open Look Analytics, uh, and as he explains what his company does, I think it's important to keep in mind how groundbreaking these, this type of information can be as we go forward. So one of the legs that their company does is keep track of the shoe circuit, uh, AAU advanced stats for the players. And while we only have, you know, three to four years of data, I think the longer this goes, we're going to be able to kind of see how people do in the circuit and which circuit and how that correlates to how they do in college and who we should be recruiting. So that has the ability to really change things, um, because we now have numbers to back up what we see, and we can't see everything. So I um, hope you enjoy this one. I got a couple more in the docket coming now that I got a little bit of free time. But uh, this one, definitely valuable information as he walks you through a lot of different things of his product and how to kind of process all of the information that he uh, provides to you. So enjoy it. Uh, I did, and uh, here we go. Tonight I am here with Sean Lawless, who is CEO and co founder of Open Look Analytics. Uh Sean, welcome to the show. How are you tonight?
1: I'm good, Dave. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> no problem, no problem. If you don't mind, uh can you just talk a little bit about uh your product and uh exactly how it fits into the statistical world and what uh exactly it does? Sure, yeah.
1: Um so basically at Open Look we have two main services. Uh I think both of them we do a good job of uh, kind of breaking things down to a simple level for college coaches where uh they're not overwhelmed by analytics like uh, uh it can happen very easily. Um we hear so much about NBA coaches um using this stuff and NBA front office using it and you know sometimes you forget that they're you know, 30, 40 guys working for an NBA team and there's four or five coaches on some of these staffs. And if it's not put in a simple format that's easy to understand, uh, it's going to be very difficult to use. So, like I said, we have two uh, services that um, are both useful in their own way, uh, two completely different services. The first is uh, what we started the company on back in 2013, which is our lineup efficiency stats. Basically, we show how... The team plays while each individual player, two-player, three-player, four-player, and five-player group is on and off the floor. So we have uh, advanced stats that uh, that show the, basically the team stats while these guys are on and off the floor. Um, the four factors, effective field goal percentage, turnover percentage, offensive rebounding percentage, uh, free throw rate, and then we have three-point attempt rate and assists uh, for field goals made and then obviously their points for possession offensive and defensive and then the difference between the offensive and defensive points for possession is, is your uh you know your rating for that group um our other service uh, we started a year after that 2014 is our uh, scouting service where we uh put together advanced stats on players in the three sneaker company leagues so uh, the Nike YBL the Adidas Gauntlet and the Under Armour Association um We have a database going of all the players uh, who've played in those leagues over the past four years. Um, And, you know, we're able to do, uh, each year, we're able to do a little more with that, with those stats and make it uh, a more useful tool for coaches uh, each year.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Let's start with, uh, I guess we'll start with, since you started with, let's start with the lineup efficiencies. So, um the on off data, which, you know, I've had different discussions with people about and, you know, I think some of it can be valuable and mm-hmm. some of it is a little bit I don't know, uh I'm not sure statistically significant is the best way I, I can I can put it. So um what do you think is a good amount of possession to make something significant where where you can look at it and, and uh trust the numbers and and it can be indicative of the future, right,
1: yeah, well, as you know I always whenever I'm speaking to coaches and you know
0: selling this to coaches or
1: anything like that, I always like to start off with you know as a coach, we're not telling you to not use your eyes anymore right we're 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 trying to create a service for coaches where they can um identify issues or or good good aspects of their team, right, so um what what I like to say and I'll I'll get into the sample size thing in a little bit, but what what these stats allow you to do is maybe identify why a certain group isn't working, right? Maybe it's because you're not rebounding well on defense. But, you know, you're going small and, and it's able to it it allows you to see exactly why something's not working or is working. Um maybe it's because uh you know this group turns the ball over too much on offense. So, by having more than more stats than just the offensive and defensive points for possession your you know your offensive and defensive rating um we're we're you're able to explain why um things aren't working or are working um, but in regards to a sample size um having coached for uh a few years and using these stats while I coached um, we started looking at things once um Guys have played about 200 or 250 possessions. Um, Obviously, like I said, we didn't take it as, you know, Bible um, and and say, like, well, you know, with this guy on the floor, um, we're terrible. And it's not – it doesn't work. We we would look at it, identify it, um, try to find reasons why it wasn't working and maybe um, make adjustments. Maybe that means doing something different in practice. Maybe it means sitting down with him at a film session and trying to fix specific things. but I don't think any of these stats are are things to to live and die by. But hopefully, it allows you to identify things that make your team better. Um,
0: right, right. And I'm I'm just uh, you know, I I think I'm looking at your sample of you know Kentucky from many years ago with the uh, you know Willie Cauley Stein, both Harrison, mm-hmm. Julius Randle, James Young. Everybody kind of remembers that team. Um, and the five man data so the team that played the most had 559 possessions which is should be statistically significant well what I've run into as a coach and I think I've mentioned this before but I used to keep our own you know before uh, all these services came along we I used to keep the five man lineups at Stevens when a Division 3 team that I was coaching at and mm-hmm. I found that it wasn't that predictive um, right. because a lot of the data was skewed by like one or, or two runs. So mm-hmm. basically, you know, you, you, we were 20 games in, but we had two games where there was uh, like a 25 to two run in each game. And so, so if you were in during those games, which, is, which matters, you know, but that to me was kind of like an aberration rather than uh, uh, a rule <laughs> uh, right. of something that mean something um mm-hmm. how do you account for that or is is that something that is a flaw or what do you what do you think about that um yeah well i i mean
1: an analytics you know someone who's strictly an analytical person would tell you that you know there is no such thing as a run right but um we we we, we have things in place that allow coaches to kind of uh um adjust Filter. for situations like that yeah we we'll, we we'll, Our website allows coaches who, who sign up for the service to, to filter out, um, games that they don't want in there. Um, we're trying to get to the point where we're able to filter out possessions that are, um, that take place, um, like maybe outside of a, you know, 20 point game, things like that. Um, maybe you have a scholarship player in there with four walk ons and, and you're, uh, and he's getting hurt because of, uh, because there's four walk ons on the court with him and he's up by 25. Um, but
0: um, yeah, you know, because I, I, I think that's one of the things. One of my biggest issues with lineup efficiency is mm-hmm. all the noise. Like, in the, like you just mentioned one example, and I was actually thinking of uh, when you started saying that, it made me think of an example. Like at the end of the game, where you're going offense defense, let's say, and you know yeah. you're fouling on defense. That's really, once again, that, that, you guys use box score data, right? Yeah, we take, you know, um,
1: play by play stacks and we plug them into it. Right.
0: So, system. so you get basically, um, probably penalized at that point and then rewarded if you're on offense because it's always a little easier to score if you're down eight points yep. with, you know, two minutes. Um, so that, that noise to me always creates a problem because I don't care how you do with that team in that situation. I kind of want to see in the basketball situations, which is probably excluding any kind of weird situation. And is there, like, your site you will be able to do that soon, or is that something yeah, so that you guys we, have talked we about? Want to or? get the
1: site to a point where um, that's something where coaches can do themselves, where it's, it's that user-friendly, where they can just check a box and certain possessions can get removed um right now we do that for teams manually we we have a client of ours that would just email They when the stats came over one of the coaches that was really into it would be like hey last 2 minutes of the game like get get rid of the last 2 minutes of the game or we were fouling between these minutes right um get right. get rid of those possessions and we're able to go in and manually um edit the play by play stats before we put them in um so we are able to do that that we're trying to get to the point where it's um the website's you know in a format where it's user friendly enough where where the coaches can do it themselves, um, and, and that's always our goal with our website is to to get the coaches uh, to allow coaches to do things themselves. Because I think that's really what um, kind of grows the uh, product and grows the uh, overall knowledge of, of you know basketball analytics in general.
0: Yeah, that that, that brings up a, another question I've always had, and I, I kind of. When I talk to coaches that are into, you know, at the college level that are into this, I, I obviously I think it's a small group right now. When I talk to my friends that are working the NBA, I think it's very prevalent. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're kind of in it, you know. I I only have my small group of friends and the, the cult following listeners that that the show gets. But uh yeah. in your sale, like out of the 350 teams, well, like give me some like you know rough numbers of the teams you think really use analytics uh to a point where they're it's making helping them make decisions like right? the the top end how many teams would you say are really interested you know whether they buy your product or not uh, right. would you say are kind of are, are are on the forefront of of all this stuff
1: yeah it's it's funny just in regards to like uh running a business in general i was talking to John Moreira who I who I started the company with and we can't get all 351 or whatever teams to sign up, but we have to get to run an effective business. We have to get every team that is into advanced stats to sign up, right? Um, yes. I, I think we we on a year yearly basis in terms of any signing up for any one of our services, we probably have between 50 and 70 teams sign up. Um, I'm not sure. If all of them use it the same amount, actually, actually, I know that all of them don't use it uh, the same amount. Um, I think probably somewhere between ten and fifteen percent are are probably using advanced stats very effectively, and then somewhere between like twenty-five and and thirty-five percent are are using it. Um, to some extent, and, and have and getting use out of it, um, if that if that makes sense. I think that yeah. you know there's 25 yeah. to 35 percent of the schools using Kempom, you know, using um, our stuff a little bit, um, being able to evaluate opponents, um, you, just using simple numbers like Kempom. I, I think is a great tool to uh, put together a scouting report.
0: Yeah, for sure. So so that so your your estimate, you're estimating probably around 50% of college teams are not really using much at all. Is kind of your guess. Yeah. Yeah, I I feel pretty confident that it's it's
1: um at least 50% are not using um it very effectively.
0: Yeah, I I I think I agree with that and it's uh, to me that's wild because you know the trickle down effect of the NBA usually happens, and I would guess out of the you know whatever there's I think just where's it 32 NBA teams, I would guess like 25 now are really into it, and the other mm-hmm. seven still are into it, but they're kind of you know not as crazy as you know the Daryl Moreys of the Rockets and the <laughs> yeah. uh, you know Sam Hinkies and, and things like that. So. Um, right. That that's uh that's interesting. Okay, back back to uh your product. Um so I let's say I'm a new coach, i I get the lineup efficiency, it's a lot of data. So you know, I'm a stats guy I and mean, usually when I get these things it's like, whoa, you know, like just a lot of information. What what would you advise? What's your game plan in telling coaches like, all right, where do I start? What's most important? What do I need to look at if I can't, you know, spend three hours breaking this down? And uh, I just want to mm-hmm. know the guts of, of, of this report. What, what do you advise somebody to look at? Yeah, well,
1: I always look like to look at, you know, the five-player lineups that that are playing enough um, possessions that they're worth looking at. Like, obviously, we, we, we spoke about the 200-250 number um, a few minutes ago, and you know, even though a little less than that, if you want to look at it to try to get an idea of what's going on, I don't I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. And then I also like to look at the individual um, players and see how they're doing on and off the floor. Um, and then in between that, we have our two, three, and four-player lineups, where I really like to look at groups that would be subbing in for each other. Like if you're a three-guard, two-forward lineup team, I would like to look at the three-guards that let's say you have a rotation of five guards that are for three spots and try to identify who's your best, who's your worst, why are they your best, why are they your worst. Um, same thing for forwards, if you're playing two forwards, maybe you're only playing maybe playing four guards and one forward, same applies. Um, and just try to look at the different – because when you look at those three guards, there's only going to be a certain amount of combinations there, whether it's, you know, Four guards that you play um, at three spots, five guards at three spots, six guards at three spots. That's something that uh, we're we're going to send a, a report out that's you know twenty pages long, but that's something that you can look at um, on one page, you know, and really make something out of, it and hopefully uh, make adjustments or not make adjustments to make your team better.
0: Okay, yeah, that, I think that makes sense, and I, I think that that goes back to just something that coaches always have to factor in is you really don't play your five best players. You play the lineups that produce the best. So you might have a guy Mm -hmm. that fits with your four scorers that, you know, if you were just judging him based on talent, he might be your eighth best guy, but he fits Mm -hmm. in with those other three or four guys. And I think that's something that for years people have gone on intuition. And now that there are numbers like this, it kind of, you know, uh, can be proven a little bit more if you have enough data, which um, I guess leads me to my next question. Um, How have you guys done anything or has anybody done anything or, or or maybe you can just answer it based on what you think of how predictive it is. So let's say we do have, you know, enough possessions. We got 250 to 500 possessions. What are the chances that that's going to happen. Yeah. How predictive is that? How, you know, the, the statistical, uh, likelihood that that will continue, because that's really the most important, right? If if, if it's not going to sustain over time with all the data that you have, then it, then it doesn't matter. But is right. there has that been proven, or has anybody tried to prove that?
1: We haven't done anything with that. Um I don't think anyone's tried to do anything with it at the college level. I'm sure there are NBA teams that are doing it, and they probably know exactly when um, they can start trusting the numbers, um, and they're probably not telling anyone. About about it, um, right. <laughs> But we we haven't um, at this point. We we've, we've been just focused on getting teams their stats and, and and haven't been able to take it to the next level. That's um, something that we we might be able to get into in the future. Um, but at this point, we haven't done anything with with any any predictive uh, lineup efficiencies. No. Right,
0: right. I think that like I mean, once again, uh, I don't think either of us are. The regression runners you guys that are running the regressions, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm sure there's people out there that listen to this that could run that, and I think it would be fairly easy. It takes me back to my intro to stat class, but uh, maybe I'll have <laughs> to get our our statistics department on it or something because I think it should be able to be run um you know with the the years of data that you guys have but uh but that's something to to kind of think about. Um, yeah. Going forward. Yeah, that would anyway, be yeah. um So now the the other thing that I I, I don't know how you account for and uh, I think is important is who you're playing against. So right. a lot of this stuff is just the the raw data, and I know the NBA has the you know I think it's called the I can't even think of what it's called the box lineup efficiency, maybe what it's called, or something like that, that measures, um you know, who you're playing against. so, obviously, uh there's two ways you can look at it. Uh, are we playing against Kentucky or are we playing against, you know, a lower-level team? And while we're playing against Kentucky, are we playing against their top five or their bottom five? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. is, want to is go that to the that. next step? Do you guys do anything with that? Or how do you yeah, – what, what mean, are your thoughts that's...
1: on that? We're, we, right now we're just raw line of efficiencies. Um, the next step for us, and we'll, we'll definitely get there is, um, the first step you just spoke about, whether we're playing Kentucky or we're playing, um, you know, a lower level team. Um, and that, that wouldn't be difficult to do. And we'll probably be there in the next year or two where, um, we'll, we'll be able to just take Kentucky's, you know, offensive points for possession, Kentucky's defensive points for possession and then weigh that into our system on, on, in terms of how good they are of a team. Um, taking it to the next step is a little more different, difficult because now we're not only tracking who's on the floor for, let's just say, Colgate. We're tracking who's on the floor for Kentucky while Colgate's playing them. Um, so that's a whole nother animal that we'd have to get into. and We're probably further away from that than we are from step one, like we spoke about.
0: Yeah, that that probably requires. And so there was one service that sent sent something like that to us. Uh I don't think we ended up getting it, but yeah, because you basically need a whole database because everything's connected. And with the NBA, yeah, having only thirty-two teams, it's a little bit easier. Whereas with three hundred fifty teams, that's a that's a pretty big database. <laughs> so um, right, yeah, but that, that, that's important. There's you know, a I think, of a difference. Sorry to cut you off. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think I think that's important because once again. Lineup efficiencies, I think there's a lot to be gained from these things, but at the end of the day, there's still a lot of noise and the more noise you can cut out, I don't think you can cut all of it out because there's always going to be, uh, you know, a flaw here, a flaw there with some of the things we've already talked about. Um, but the closer you can get to, you know, knowing this three man lineup or that two man lineup is actually by numbers, Better than that other two-man lineup is is really important for us coaches that are constantly deciding between you know this guy playing twenty minutes a game or this guy playing five minutes a game and who to play with. Mm-hmm. So um, that that's that's something that probably would be valuable, but once again, probably a, a year or two away or maybe maybe more. I, I don't know. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, would um and and like the more detailed you get with any of these things, uh, the smaller the sample size is going to get. Um, right. Right. Which is which also makes things problematic. Um yep. thing about the NBA is you have an eighty two um game season and at college you're dealing with a, a you know, twenty eight to thirty-five game season. Yep,
0: yep. Yep. Um, all right. So moving on now, I think one of the cooler things you guys have started to do is is kinda of tracking the the sneaker companies because um the competition at those events now is good enough that you might be able to get some real real data at it where, you know, in the past AAU tournaments, you know, you're you're playing against in the first two rounds, you're gonna win by forty and those numbers who cares? So now right. you're you're getting light competition. Um what what have you seen in your, you know, early studies? How how long have you guys been doing the sneaker companies now?
1: Uh this will be our fifth year doing it the, the
0: fifth year, year. so you're starting right to get now. some you're starting to get some data about how the stats correlate to how you will do in college what What is your take on that? Is there anything official on that or like your just your your thoughts on it of of what your stats look like on the a a u circuit to how the, how you'll do in college yeah, I
1: mean um we don't do anything official on it um uh, i've listened to your podcast in the past, and i, I heard john um Andrew jack yeah. and talking about he he was using our stats to uh put together, try to put together some sort of predictive uh program with one of his professor one of the professors over at uh san francisco um and I think they might still be working on that um it's it's it gets to be difficult from a predictive standpoint um and to be 100% honest with you, I'm not totally in love with the idea of these stats in terms of, uh, you know, straight predictive model. Um, I think that they're best served in terms of building a list for coaches to go see players. Um, so if you're at Colgate, um, I think they're best in, where you could put together, uh, go to our database, type in, I want to see all guys that are, uh, you know, six foot five and bigger with, a you know usage rate of twenty or better shooting uh thirty percent from three or better who don't have a division one offer and then they'll you know twenty names will pop up and then maybe you get to see fifteen guys that you didn't see uh, or that you wouldn't have seen that's where i I think that there's definitely more value in right now, maybe not five years from now um, but in terms of uh you know predictive analytics this isn't even predictive analytics we're just on a smaller scale like there are guys where I've watched them play in person. I've seen our stats. And then I've seen guys on Twitter talk about how this guy's the best shooter we've ever seen, you know, play in the Nike EYBL. And I'm saying to myself, he's shooting 33% from three. (laughs) Like he's not the best shooter we've ever seen. (laughs) Right. And, you know, he's at Northwestern now and he's he's shot 35% on like 270 something attempts. So, um, it, I I think that there is uh you know if if a guy takes 103s it's uh it's a pretty good um you know indicator of of what he's capable of um and I think sometimes people get caught up in in, in talk and about some of these players that that isn't necessarily true and once once a, a thought starts pumping around twitter and around circles it, it kind of grows yeah. upon itself um where they're, they're, we have lists of guys, long, very long lists of guys that uh, have not put up good numbers, that have ended up at the highest level, that, that haven't performed well there. Um, guys that are, you know, top ten recruits that they're not efficient in the EYBL or Under Armour, and, and they've struggled at, at, you know, Kentucky or Duke or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, yeah,
0: I think I – think, um... Some of these stats are very translatable. So, at the end of the day, you know what well, the predictive value of it is is really important. Obviously, if, if you told me, you know, and I, I think some, some more studies need to be done. And we probably need a couple more years. Uh, I've, I've obviously been talking to uh, Johnny mm-hmm. about this, and he's still he's still obviously he's still messing around with the numbers and trying to figure things out. Um, but there's probably we're still waiting on some more data. But I know, for me, when I look at these things, the things that I think are translatable, like you just said, three-point percentage, to me that's really translatable because if you have enough attempts, you're going to find out if you can shoot or not. So, you know, right. the, the, it, there's enough games that you can tell if someone's an awful shooter, uh, an average shooter, or maybe a great shooter. So this, you're going to be shooting the same shots in college, which are either wide open or, and this goes back to the, Ken Palm study and uh, there was a John, I think it was John Gassaway's study on the threes that you take are the same threes that you take usually in all games. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. that's why your percentage is dictated not by the defense, but more by the offense. Um, right. That's a study that everybody, no one agrees with until you read about it and then you start thinking about it. But uh, so that's one of them. I think three point percentage is, um, very important. I think what you said where the efficiency number of basically like assist to turnovers, I always look at, I like to see assist to turnovers in, in the EYBL, even from, you know, the lower level players of the, of the great team. So a guy that might play 15 minutes a game and he has two assists and 10 turnovers is kind of a little bit worrisome to me because even if you're not getting that many minutes and you're playing at the wrong level, where you might not be a high major guy, you you should still be a little bit better than two assists to ten turnovers or something like that. So to me, those are are really important. Are there any other ones that you think um, are translatable that you can kind of, yeah, if you're doing that at these levels, you're probably going to be similar at the college level, whatever level you end up at?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think if you can rebound at at those levels, and especially the EYBL is the highest level, so if you can rebound at the the EYBL, you can rebound um, at the highest level of college. Um, An interesting one is two-point percentage. Um, There's two ways of looking at it. It could be a lot of, you know, DeAndre Jordan dropped off dunks, or (laughs) if you're shooting, you know, if it's a guard, that he's shooting a lot of twos at a high percentage, he's probably really good. Um, so that one kind of goes back and forth and that that's kind of takes me back to my other, what, what I was saying before where it, we're allowing you to build a list where now you can go on Synergy or Crossover and watch these kids play and see how is he scoring so welcome too, right um, and then maybe you're able to cut that list down a little more and now you can go see 5 or 10 guys in person and see how they're doing it um, and, and kind of take Take the list and be able to evaluate yourself as well. Um, but back to what you're saying, block percentage um, is uh, I think yeah. translates well. Yeah, if you yeah, can yeah. block shots, you can block. Yep. And then um, an interesting one is uh, steal percentage. Joe Chartuni who just transferred um, from Fordham to Marquette, I believe. I think had yeah. he was he was in Adidas. He had the highest steal percentage um, across his class. And I know Fordham is, they're, they're, you know, running and jumping. They're um, always one of the highest turnover percentages in Division One now that, um, defensively, now that um, Coach Neuerbauer and, um, and his staff has taken over. Um, but Joe Chartouni's steal um, percentages were off the charts at Fordham as well. And I know it was a combination of the system he was in, but he—he's not exactly a guy who looks like um, the type of person who's going to be picking up steals. But he did it in high school, and he did it um, at, at Fordham, and it'll be interesting to see how how it, his numbers are at, at Marquette in a in a completely different defensive system.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think uh, I think you're going to see it probably come down just because the way Fordham plays, but yeah. it'll still be high, especially because it'll be—I don't know does he have the City here or no?
1: He graduated, so I think he's. Uh, he's a grad transfer, think, so he
0: he, yeah. he doesn't have the sit year, but he'll uh he'll be a, a fifth year player or a fourth year player. I'm not even sure which one it is. You, you kind of get a little smarter too, so guys' heels mm-hmm. tend to go up over the course of their career. Also, yeah. Um, just speaking from a general a, a general standpoint. Um, now going back to, you know, again, if you're getting these stats and. We haven't really talked about, I think, probably the two ones that you look at the most. And I guess I'll ask you this. Uh, same question that I asked you about the other stuff. You get this report. You know, there's um, a lot of data. What what are you looking at first um, in evaluating a player before you're, you're kind of watching this film and everything?
1: Um, I mean, it all depends, right? So if I'm looking for a big, I probably want to look at some rebounding and, and, and shot blocking and, you know, scoring around the rim and how often he's sh- shooting two's. Um But if, I, if I'm just trying to identify the best possible players, I want to see high usage rates with, you know, high effective field goal percentage. And the effective field goal percentage correlates to offensive rating very closely. So um, i I the two I'm looking at is um, usage rate and um, effective field goal percentage. Now, I think from a school at a lower level, um, you can find guys on some of these better teams that maybe have lower usage rates that are playing behind some guys that are going to go to the highest level, and maybe it's a guy that's going to end up being a you know all-conference Patriot League player because he was playing behind three all-conference um Big East players uh, for an EYBL team. Um, so maybe uh, his usage rate wasn't as high as, as those guys. He maybe had a, a usage rate of 17, but he was very uh, efficient. So it, it also depends on what level you're at. Um, I don't think you want to um, eliminate guys from your list because of their usage rate uh, if you're at a lower level. Um, but it, it's definitely an indicator of the the best players in the in, in in, in, in high school,
0: and I guess I'm putting you on the spot little here. Who have been some of the, you know, not counting this year, um, guys that have kind of already been through it? Who who are some guys that have had some very high usage rates? If you uh, can think of those off the top of your head, usage rates off the top of my head, yeah. I like I mean, I, yeah, I can guess, but I, 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 I the I,
1: highest. You want to guess who the highest one of all time was?
0: I I I'm guessing it might be uh Marvin Bagley. Is he up there? His, I feel like he's, he's up there. I'm not sure
1: where he ranks. Number 1 all time is Colin Sexton. It was like ah. 42 or so. it was something insane. Um it, the rest of his team wasn't great and he and he was really good. I'm pulling it up right. His usage rate was 40.2. Um, wow. Which is just wild. His effective field goal percentage wasn't great at 49.7. Um, but he got to the line a lot, and he made a lot of free throws, which is actually what he did at Alabama. He, he wasn't a, he didn't have a great effective field goal percentage. I think it was below fifty. I don't have it in front of me right now, but um, he got to the line a lot, and you know, created a lot of attention and made his teammates better by, by uh, you know, creating attention and, and getting to the line and, and, and making his free throws. He shoots the ball from uh, the free throw line at a
0: high rate. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Um... I think one of the things that you guys just started doing is extremely valuable, uh, probably more for the high majors than it is for, um, you know, especially the Patriot League, but other, you know, uh, levels that aren't getting as many players in the EYBL and, and, uh, the high level underarmers and the of teams, uh, is the, the being able to sort by the offers that you have. So what do you guys use? Do you guys, you, you know, um, I know you can now sort by, like you said, this guy has uh, a usage rate of 25 and an effective field goal percentage of 52, let's say, and it pulls up a bunch of guys and you can see the ones with their highest offer. Is that what you guys do now?
1: Yeah, so the website, and we have like a, a chart that kind of says, you know, these, you know, six or seven conferences belong to high major, these five conferences belong to high major minus, and we, we, put that chart together just by um, taking the Ken Palm average of those conference rankings over the last 10 years. Oh, um,
0: cool. Yeah, I was wondering how you did a that. Which
1: yeah, is a little bit messy because there's been some movement, but I think it gets the job done. Um, and then when you click on the players, you're able to see their actual offers. So if you want to double check and, and see, unfortunately, Gonzaga I think is a mid-major plus on that, which obviously they're not, but um, if, if their highest offer is Gonzaga, that's what it's going to show up on, on as our web, on our website. But you're able to see that it's a Gonzaga offer, which may or may not affect whether you want to recruit that player if you're at a maybe like a a ten or a Mountain West school or something. I don't
0: know. Um, yeah, but that that sorry, go ahead. I was going to say. Um uh where are you pulling that data from is that coming from verbal commits or just twitter or are you guys doing it on your own it's coming from verbal okay so anything that that goes to verbal commits you guys just kind of scrub or take and manually enter it uh into the into the database yeah so I, I shouldn't say it's 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 coming from a number of different sources
1: um one of which is verbal commits and then we put right. a bunch in our on our own we try to i go through it like every day try to find guys that are you know not showing up they're, maybe they're coming up with no offers that I, I, they're a high major player and I'll, I'm constantly entering in offers on my own uh, as well
0: Now are you, are you using that like uh, for your clients when you're running this stuff Will you call like um, you know you call a mid-major plus school and be like, that's a client and be like hey look here's I just ran this. There's, you may want to check out these guys. Are you kind of being a recruiting service as well? Just with that, just by the numbers. And is that something you yeah. guys do also?
1: Um, yeah. So we have, I have obviously different relationships with different coaches and there are coaches that ask me to put together a list for them. And there are coaches that just kind of take the stats and do what they want with them. Um, and then I have coaches that are like, I'm really friendly with where I'm, you know, begging them to go watch a kid. <laughs> but yeah. uh, there's there, – I go to the tournaments a decent amount, and I watch the kids on, on Synergy and, and Crossover, so I, I try to be pretty involved in, in, in you know, how, how they're doing and not just look at the numbers. Um, but, yeah, there, there have definitely been cases where I've, you know, watched, asked coaches or coaches to watch kids, and, and they've uh, – you know, had a good experience and recruited them in the past, um, and then I guess we'll see how good of uh, college players they are. They are now, but um, yeah, it, it, every every situation is different in terms of our uh, subscribers. Um, but yeah, there's there's definitely one off the top of my head that, that I can think of was R.J. Cole. Numbers were ridiculous for the players a couple of years ago, um, and he ended up. His freshman year, I think he averaged like 24 points a game this year pretty efficiently for Howard, and Howard struggled to win games. So it's hard to measure exactly um, what level he belongs at. But um, as a freshman, averaging 24 a game with a 106 offensive rating, shooting 36% from three, um, he definitely could have went higher. I know he was getting recruited a little higher before um, they – They they pulled the – before he pulled the trigger on uh, Howard. But, um, yeah, I had conversations with coaches at at higher levels, asked him to to look at him. I would seen him play a couple times, and his stats were just totally ridiculous in the UYBL.
0: Now, what would be your advice to, you know, uh, a Colgate coach or, you know, our our level that – the data's a little bit like tough, like you you mentioned it a little bit, how there's a lot of players that we might end up with that at the UIBL, you know, are playing five to 10 minutes a game. So their stats aren't really indicative. What, what advice would you give right. to someone our level on how to, how to interpret all this? Yeah. Well,
1: first of all, I think for coaches at your level, it's, um, it's definitely, um, the, the Adidas and Under Armour leagues are definitely a, lo- a lot better to, to, um, to look at guys, um, for. Well, Adidas. how would you
0: rank those, those leagues? Obviously, UIBL, everyone kind of yeah, looks UIBL, on top.
1: Yeah. It's tough to rank the other two. Um, Adidas has like 50 something teams in it this year, and it, it kind of grows each session, I feel like. And then Under Armour's got 30, and Under Armour's like really well organized. Um, yep then Adidas will have a Zion Williamson um, at, at their event. So it's, it's tough to, to, um, to put a finger on exactly um, what it is. But um, I, I, from, a, I, from a coaching standpoint, at a lower level, I, I love the idea of recruiting Adidas. It's unorganized. Um, there's 50-something teams. There are kids that are putting up monster numbers um, with usage rates that are high, playing a lot of minutes that aren't rec- getting recruited that high it's it's very different from nike and now adidas has kids like i said that are going to high level and so does so does under armor but adidas is, is just seems to be um there seems to be an opportunity there um for coaches to to find kids um now in terms of um what your question was you know a nike player that's playing five or ten minutes a game it's tough uh, but it, it, if they're putting up good numbers in that league and in a small sample size, it doesn't hurt to go watch them on, on crossover and, and decide whether you want you want to go watch them the next time you're at uh, it, you know if you're at Peach Jam or or uh, the other one, uh, not the the NIT of the of EYBL whatever they call it, uh, PRC right. or whatever. Um, right. It doesn't hurt to go watch. them. I mean. I've been to these events, and it, it gets crazy sometimes. And I know as, as a former college coach, there's there's gaps in your day where you can go watch some kid from uh, some Iowa team that you haven't seen before. Um, you have your you know guys that you're going to go watch, but there's always a block here or there where you can go watch two or three kids that put up pretty good numbers that don't have offers at your level, and it's not going to hurt you to sit down at that court instead of going and having a coffee or something like that. You know what I mean? Sure.
0: Sure. And, you know, I've been trying to kind of piece together, you know, obviously, as coaches, we have to figure out where to spend our time. And a lot of times, at least in our office, we have the discussion of are we wasting our time watching EYBL kids, like we've talked about, where the guys that we want, uh, if they play well, they play themselves out of the Patriot League. And if they play poorly, then we end up not liking them. And if they don't, Play at all, we feel like we're wasting our time. But mm-hmm. I've kind of been looking through it, and uh, I'm starting to see that if you played in the EYBL and you like played, uh, you you've, you've done well. So I'm trying to put together. I don't think there's enough years yet, but hopefully mm-hmm. over the next couple of years I'll have more. But it's kind of showing that it might be worth it to find the academic. You know, the diamonds that really do want the academics. And, right. and are, uh, are getting some minutes there, uh, cause those guys end up all league. You know, we have, we've got a couple, uh, just thinking off the top of my head, like Nana Fallon and Andre Walker, who are both graduating, thank God. But, uh, both those guys, <laughs> UIBL guys that, that did well, um, or well enough, I should say, played, uh, significant minutes, uh, as, as high schoolers in the UIBL. So, um. Yeah,
1: there's, there's an opportunity
0: reading. there for
1: coaches. To, to find some guys that maybe aren't getting the touches that they would get for a, a lesser AAU team.
0: Yep, yep. Um, all right, well, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, if you if you don't mind, just in case uh, any listeners are interested, is uh, let you plug your 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 company here. How would they get in touch with you, or what's the best way to find more information?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, our Twitter handles OL Analytics. At OL Analytics. And then my email address is, we'll go with the uh, the generic one because it's a little easier. Info at OpenLookAnalytics.com. So just the word info and then our whole name, OpenLookAnalytics.com. Um, and we'll get, uh, we'll, we'll always get back to you uh, as soon as possible. And we're putting out good stuff uh, this time of year, so I think it's a good time to reach out to us.
0: Great. Great. Well, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Hopefully this was informative. I, I think it, uh, for me it was. Um, so hopefully people agree with that. But uh, thanks again, and uh, uh, good luck to you guys with your company.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I really appreciate this, and uh, we, we really uh, think that this was uh, helpful for our company. And good luck uh, this summer and uh, in uh, November when the season starts.
0: For sure, for sure. All right, Sean, have a good one.
1: All uh, right, thanks. See you, too.